You're listening to The David LeMaster Show. This is David LeMaster, the Parkinson's playwright. Well, I'm on a theater kick. It's Oscar week, so let's do it one more time. Movie review of an old movie, Hollywood's most un-Hollywood film, Funny Games. I'll be honest, I was attracted to Funny Games because of the preview. It was an ingenious mix of graphic violence with Edvard Grieg's musical delight in the Hall of the Mountain King from the Pier Gint Suite. By the way, I'm considering in the Hall of the Mountain King for my lead-in music. We'll talk about that later. If you don't recognize the musical reference, you will as soon as you hear the music's theme. It's rhythmic, fast-moving, and comedic, and leads you to believe the movie is going to be as well. The preview is purposefully misleading. Why did writer-director Michael Hankey make this film? For most movies, why is an easy question to answer. The director had a statement to make about society, or he wanted to explore a psychological profile, or he wanted to shed a light on a problem, or he wanted to reveal what happened to him in real life, or he wanted to expose a fault by holding a mirror up to society. The most common answer is the director just wanted to entertain his audience, or in everyday English, the director wanted to make money. However, none of these answers apply to Michael Hankey's funny games. The film satirizes upper-class society to an extent, but that's not its focus. Had Hankey decided to do so, he could have explored two fascinating criminal minds, but there's no effort whatsoever to delve into their inner thoughts or their emotions. He certainly satirizes the traditional family, seems to address class conflict, and attacks the relationships of the cultured, refined rich with the wannabes, but not one of these themes is fully explored. Instead, Hanky plays a series of funny games on the audience, setting up great expectations and paying them off with cruel jokes. As a result, we the audience feel victimized, which appears to be Hanky's intention. Hanky's opening sequence shows a family driving to its vacation home for the summer and playing the ultimate car game, Guess the Classical Piece and Musical Composer. If this game doesn't appeal to the common man, neither should the family dynamic. The young boy sits in the back seat, neither bored nor angry as most young boys would be, but completely enraptured in the game. We hear the exchange as we watch the car drive for an inordinate amount of time, and without seeing the faces of the speakers. This establishes a convention used throughout the film. With the exception of just one of many acts, the violence occurs off-screen. This establishes a convention used throughout the film, with the exception of just one of the many acts. This establishes a convention used throughout the film, with the exception of just one of the many acts of violence. The violence occurs off-screen, including the first grisly murder, which happens as we watch the two abductors raid a refrigerator and find our imaginations working overtime when we hear screams from the next room. The effect is chilling and disconcerting. It's also alienating, as is the entire film. The alienation effect is further created at the end of the opening sequence when, after the overly long exchange, the camera settles into a shot of the family and the classical music is interrupted by the disturbing sounds of John Zorn and Naked City from the album Grand Guignol. The music provides a number of good jokes from the director on an unsuspecting audience. First, we are lulled into complacency only to be thrown into the violence of the song and consequently the violence of the film. Second, the jolt is awe-inspiring and daring and makes the audience remember and admire Hankey's ability to manipulate. And third, for those who know the album's title, Grand Guignol, the tone is set for the rest of the film. In case you're in the majority of people who don't know, 
The Grand Guignol is a style of theater in France known for its outrageous violence and cruelty. The theater included simulated acts of torture, murder, and execution, all of which are featured prominently in funny games. In other words, the opening sequence is a musical scherzo, a joke that sets the tone for the rest of the film, and it is also quite likely over most filmgoers' heads, thus becoming the director's private joke. And that, unfortunately, is a dominant feature of the entire film. Funny Games is overly smart, overly cruel, and intentionally obscure, intentionally alienating the audience with a series of experimental tricks. All Hanky's choices are brilliantly done, and most of the cast is very, very good, especially the extraordinary Michael Pitt, the most haunting and creepy villain I've seen on screen in years. What a shame Hanky didn't give Pitt a true character. Fleshing out the script and giving Pitt at least a semblance of background, motivation, and vulnerability would have saved this film. Instead, Pitt is stuck with a one-dimensional cardboard character and the young actor's talent is wasted. So again, I return to my original question. Why was this film made? The answer, it seems to me, is for the director's own pleasure and entertainment, thus lowering this project with such great potential into an experimental mess. The director's cinematic masturbation. Copyright 2009 by David J. LeMaster. This is the David J. LeMaster Show. You can reach me at David J. LeMaster at Google. You can also reach me at davidjameslemaster at yahoo.com and you can find my blog at davidlemaster.com slash wordpress slash or just go to davidlemaster.com. This is the Parkinson's Playwright signing off and quoting Shakespeare, There is nothing in this world, good or bad, but thinking makes it so. <laughs>